everyone. Welcome back to another scintillating episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. This is actually episode number seven, if you've been following along. Woo. Lucky number seven. I have with me Brad McKenna. He is from the Wilmington Public Library, and he helps us to understand all things technology. So today we're going to talk about a pretty serious topic, digital security, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Big buzzword. Um, I'll first give the definition of that so we can kind of start out there and then Brad will help us along. So digital security is the protection of your digital identity. Now, I never thought about that. There's the real me (laughs) and then there's the digital me. Sure. Okay. And this is your digital identity or the internet equivalent of your physical personality. Digital security includes the tools you use to secure your identity, your assets, and the technology in the online and mobile world. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess we all think about it, but what does it really mean? What does digital security really mean? Lots of things. Yeah, for sure. So I know you do a presentation over at the library about that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit first about what digital security really means to you when you work with people what yeah. do you tell them you should just be be safe uh, be and don't if things look suspicious there's probably a reason for that don't act on it uh, just uh, don't give away personal information and the biggest thing I, I tell people is just to pay attention to when you're surfing the web pay attention to the protocol you is used so if you're in the address bar or your browser if it's secure transfer meaning that the data is encrypted from the workstation to the server that you're connecting to uh, um, you have the H- it's called HTTPS. So HTTP is just the normal hypertext transfer protocol, right? So that's how the web talks to each other, essentially. Okay. Someone, part of it. But there's also the HTTPS, which is hypertext transfer protocol secure. And so there's actually been regulations around where, like, anytime you have to log into something that has any kind of personal information, it can be something as serious as a social security number or something just like your your user ID for a web page is most of them have uh, that HTTP, HTTPS connection, meaning that anybody snooping on the traffic can't read it because the tunnel between you and them is, is secure. So okay. nothing is transferred plain text. All right, let me see if I can break, sure. that, break, break that down a little bit for us. Okay, so I'm at my browser and I open up a browser window and yep. in the address bar, I'm going to type in something. Yes. How, Am I supposed to look for the HTTPS? I mean, if I'm, I guess if I'm copying and pasting, mm-hmm. that's that's when I would see it. But if I'm just typing in Joe's Bakery, yeah, where would I find the HTTPS yeah. to be sure that's secure? You have to look. There's two different things. So most browsers now have a little icon on the address bar that looks like a lock. And oh. when you have an HTTP connection, that lock is open. But when it's an HTTPS, it's shut. Okay. Another way to do that is to actually click on the address bar because most browsers will hide that HTTPS so you're just looking at, this, at the website name. Right. So, But once you click on there, it's going to give you the actual full URL with the HTTPS okay. colon backslash back whatever, you know. Okay, because I've never noticed that. Yeah. I mean, I remember in the olden days, you used to type have to physically type in mm-hmm. the HTTP and the backslash and the W. Yeah. Now you don't. You can nope. just kind of type in anything. So the way to get that is once you're at the site in the, in the address bar above the yep. site you're at, it yep. should see. It, you'll you be able to see, see the it. P or the S. Yep. Okay, so if there's a P there, what does S. that mean? No, S. if there's no S. If there's no if it's S, yeah, the it's P, just the P. What does that it mean? means the uh, data is being transferred plain text. So that means that if the um, the server was being hacked or uh, you have spyware on your computer, the people looking at that data can read it. 
And so the S basically encrypts the tunnel. So we'll use S to mean secure then. Yes. If we see the S, we know we're secure and we're safe. Okay. Now you bring up an interesting word that I know we covered in our vocabulary, (laughs) but spyware. Yeah. Okay, so spyware gives the bad guys the ability to look at whatever I'm typing. Yep. How does that get on my computer? Yeah. I know people can put it on your computer. Yeah. I know people have had situations in their lives where, you know, divorces or whatever, so yeah. they put something on the computer so that they can see yeah. what the people are typing. But how do I end up getting spyware? So the, the biggest one is your, you know, your your cousin in Nigeria. <laughs> so you yes. get an e- you get an email from somebody and it looks suspicious and it probably is. And so if you if you click a hyperlink in an email, what it could do is take you to some kind of dummy site but also behind that piggyback to that transmission is a file that would be downloaded on your computer so that's the most common way uh just going to uh an untrusted website itself if you go to a page because you're actually issuing a command to the server you're saying bring me this page malcontents can hijack that transmission and put something like piggyback something on the right. on the request and bring it in that way. Okay. Well, let me use an example because I see that that don't go here all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on Facebook, sometimes there's a quiz that you want to take. Yeah. Lots of those quizzes. And it always comes up with always. This is not a safe, secure site. But I go there anyway because I want to take the quiz. <sighs> Does that mean I'm really... Su- susceptible in those cases? How how serious is it? Because I don't take it seriously. So Facebook is, when you're doing those quizzes, usually it's an ad level security Facebook put in place like to warn you when you're going away from the Facebook site itself. And this is, it was a step to kind of prevent this kind of stuff, to allow you to realize that you're no longer on the site you think you're on. I see. So usually it's not too bad because the sites that uh, that, that these quizzes are on, there's going to be a lot of ads and you might get some like tracking cookies which really isn't spyware so you're okay Okay. Um, I wouldn't stay on the site very long if you want to take the quiz you're fine and then maybe just clear your cash clear your cookies after you take it just in case okay Um, the antivirus program you have as well on your computer if it was actively trying to give you a virus or spyware it'll block it okay so that's good to know. Yeah. What about when you get the Microsoft Security Essentials mm-hmm. uh, little thing in the right-hand corner? Same thing. That's, that's really scary, too. That's antivirus, too. So it's warning you. Most of the time when you get a pop-up, no matter if it's you know AVG, McAfee, Norton, Security Essentials, if you get a pop-up, it's grabbed the, f- the, the suspect file. So it's, it's not actually downloaded on your computer. So you're okay if you get that pop-up. Just see if you can read it. So sometimes the file will have like a name that kind of makes sense. Um, and just get away from the site you're on. Um, I've also had a virus installed on my computer via these fake Microsoft Security Essentials. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so right. So I get a lot of, uh, I've got a couple of different times where you get like a pop-up saying like Microsoft wants you to call this number or something. In those cases, it's usually just uh, not really a scam, but like a money-making scheme from somebody and they install software and it's legitimate, but it's stuff that you don't have to pay for. So you get like pop-ups like that and other times you can get um, pop-ups that say they're from Microsoft. Right. But if, a good check is if, if you have the security essentials on, um, and if you don't, then it's kind of bogus because most people have another third-party antivirus, and if you have that, you don't need security essentials. Okay. So most of the time, if you see the pop-up, I just stop what you're doing, even if it is innocuous. Okay. I have seen also different, I didn't know this till you told me actually, <laughs> there are different kinds of security protection you can purchase. Yeah. I guess I have one called Malware Bytes. Now yep. you explained to me that that protects against... That's more, yeah. So uh, antivirus, so 
Uh, Mel- it's two different types. It, Mac, Mac, McAfee is how you say it, McAfee. Yeah. That's a different kind of program than malware bites, but I thought yeah. they were both the same. So can you explain a little bit about the different kind of protections sure. we can purchase? Yeah, so not all malware is our viruses. So viruses, a virus is a subset of malware. With malware, you have you know, worms and trojans and uh, boot sector virus. You have all sorts of stuff. So the uh, antivirus software is where you want to start, and that's the good thing is that that's going to grab any kind of viruses because that's the big threat. But there are also threats that would be missed because they're not viruses, like the uh, the worms and stuff right. like that. And that's what malware bytes would capture is it would capture any non-virus malware. It's kind of hard as the consumer to know. Yeah. You know, I want I wanted to buy just one catch-all thing that yeah. would cover everything. And there really isn't. Yeah. So you kind of need two protections, don't you? For the yeah, I mean, to be completely safe, yes. But for the most part, you're okay with an up-to-date antivirus software, even if it's a free like AVG, which I usually recommend because it is free and it has all of the virus definitions needed to protect you that the pay services do. do. So you're fine there, and you just get. I think the malware is when you get get more fancy on what you're doing online. If you're like a programmer or something, or going to suspicious sites like torrents or big thing, right, right? Right. So if you if you use any kind of torrents, which is pair sharing, which is semi legal, um, you open your your operating system up to more vulnerabilities, and they don't have to be viruses. So if you just use the web to like go to Facebook, search email, shop, or something like that, you're okay. With, um, with, with just the antivirus. But if you do something more than that, if you do any kind of torrent uh, so like downloading. you're downloading a lot of different yeah. things, movies, mm, things right. like that. Not yeah. so much books and things, because those are protected <laughs> usually right. through, through who you get them from. Okay, what about our firewall? What does the firewall have to do with the security piece? So the firewall, most of the time, is um, uh, – well, we have a physical appliance at the library, and what it does is it it scans the traffic, and you can use it to block ports. So when you're on – when you're in a web page, you're using port uh, port 80 or port 8080. Email, I think, is – no, FCP is 25. Email is 80, whatever the numbers are. So the ports are physical physical locations in your computer, which certain – protocols will use. And so what you can do is you can specifically deny all ports through a firewall. Um, It will also um, monitor the network, your computer, for what they call packet sniffing. So it's kind of like a spyware type thing. So if there's any suspicious activity going on, the firewall will will capture that. Um, Windows comes with it. So if you have a Windows computer, it comes with Windows firewall. And so you can get kind of fancy with what you can do. You can deny all content except for what you explicitly allow. That's the whitelist versus blacklist. But you really don't have to worry too much about it uh, because it kind of it's it's a built in security level with the operating system. Okay, good. But at least now we know what it is. Yeah. And all of these things we're looking for, would we find them under settings if we wanted to see? You know, yeah. where firewall is and what, yep. what's so on and what's on. So the easiest way to do it is if you see like a little flag or something near your time, near t- on your system tray, mm-hmm. that's what they call the action center. And then from the action center, you can see what antivirus you have installed. You can get into the Windows firewall to see what's on, stuff like that. So the um, when in doubt, go to the control panel and just search for it. Uh, but if you do see a little flag, that's your action center, and that's how okay. you get it. 
And is that where we would find spam too, so that we can? Because sometimes things get stuck in spam, and you someone says, "I sent you an email," and it ends up in Neverland, right? Yeah, no, that's different. So the, the spam would be uh, that never actually touches your computer because it's on your email provider's server. So what they the filtering is so good nowadays, where they don't even make your inbox; it just it filters it directly into a spam or a trash or a junk folder right away. So. That's kind of protecting you from accidentally clicking that link from your uncle in Nigeria. <laughs> which is great, which is great. What do you do, though, if you see that on the screen? I mean, the first thing you need to do is either close it or delete it. And then what are the steps you should take after that? Yeah, so you want to definitely, um, if, you, if you do see an email, usually the vast majority of them, you, act, you have to click on it to actually activate it. So you're, you're perfectly safe deleting the email, emptying your deleted items folder. If you're concerned, you do that, and you also run a virus scan, um, change your email password as well. Fun, fun, fun. Mm. I feel like I'm doing that every other day. <laughs> okay, what about surfing? When we're surfing, yeah. um, you know, we're looking around. How do we know we're safe there, and how do we know some of these pop-ups that come up are okay? Yeah, pop-ups are nefarious. You really... Um, they're, they're no good, but sometimes the, the way the site is built, you need the pop-up to like log in or go to another page. So for the most part, just keep an eye on that HTTPS, and you, you should be okay. Um, anytime, you, anytime you see like the domain name change, so if you go to like Amazon.com and all of a sudden you're on like Nile.com, which I don't think exists, but whatever, uh, you, you know that you were to redirect somewhere bad, so close out and start start again. That's usually the safest bet is if you see something suspicious, you just just get out of there, mm -hmm. essentially. I always worry, too, when I, uh, you know, like when I go to Amazon or another place, they put that in-between site that comes in between that you have to log out of. So it, you go to to type something yeah. in, and then it brings you to another site that says, oh, you're a lucky winner of some blah, blah, blah thing, and you always have to click out of that. I don't know how that started happening, but it seems to be happening more and more. It doesn't seem like you go directly to the main site. It seems like there's always some kind of advertising in between. That's exactly it. It's advertising, yeah. so it's a money-making thing. You know, right. They partner with certain companies. But I guess you can't really remove that because no. it's right in the path of you can add You can add what they call uh, plugins to your browser, so uh, Internet Explorer and uh, Edge, which is Microsoft's new Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. They're new to the game, so they don't have many, but Firefox and Chrome, you can grab plugins, and what you can do is one of the ones I like is AdBlock, AdBlock mm -hmm. Plus. And so what that is is if one of those pop-ups is an ad, it'll just block it and it won't allow it to come up. Um, there's many other ad block things that you can do. Privacy Badger is another one from the Electric Freedom, Electronic Freedom Foundation, which is really good. Okay. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of different ones. All you'd have to do is you click your menu on Firefox or Chrome, it's usually three bars, and you look for like the add-ons section. You click the add-ons, you search for like AdBlock or something like that, okay. and it'll add it to you. It's an extension, it'll add it to the browser and kind of protect you from a lot of nice. that advertisement. If we add any of this stuff, is it gonna cause problems for our computer? It, it's gonna cause problems for sites. So s depending on how the content is delivered, sometimes a site delivers content that these plugins trap as ads and you actually have to disable on that site in order mm. to like log in or okay. something. It, it happens fairly regularly, which is unfortunate, but at least you're, you're opting into that, right? Instead of just getting the pop-up directly. Right. Now on your notes here that you gave me, you have something called Disconnect Me. 
in terms of service didn't read? Yeah, what, so what Disconnect Me is another one. So uh, the sites will sell um, advertising space on their, on, on their website, and what the Disconnect Me will mm-hmm. do is it will, it will block those. Um, Twitter and Facebook and um, Google also do a lot of tracking, so they'll put tracking code in the web page so it can deliver you better ads on those sites. And so what the disconnecting will do is automatically block those trackings. Any kind of, they call them ad brokerages, um, same thing. So it's going to block that. So this is why I end up looking at a mattress and then get five emails in my yeah. email box <laughs> saying, hey, would you like to buy a mattress? Yes, I always wondered, exactly. how, how do they know? Because that's the how tracking. they know, yep. because they're tracking yep. it. And that's all legal, right? Because that must be in the terms and that's, yeah, conditions that we all click yes so, to. Which is a great segue to the right? last one. There's the terms of service didn't read. And what it is is it ranks sites based on their their um, how transparent they are with what they're doing. Uh, oh. For example, I think YouTube gets like a D or something. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad because wow. they're constantly tracking tracking what you're doing. Um, they're selling your information, your tracking history and stuff like that. So it's a good one to know how secure you are on that site. You download it and then uh, you add it to your browser and then on the, UR, on the address bar you'll see a little ranking. Um, it's not it's not perfect because some sites haven't been graded yet, so you have like an incomplete or something right. like that. But it's a good – if you're concerned about the, the, you know, the end user agreements that you sign up for a site and you just you know, agree because it's 72 pages and you don't have time to read that. That's what I always <laughs> do. <laughs> this is a good way to kind of uh, reclaim some of your safety. So you didn't read it, but you know that the site has like a B rating. So you know, you're not going to be completely free with what you do on the site. So in your opinion – how safe are we on the internet, really? Do you really think it's that bad? Are we that safe on the internet? Or are we not safe? Do you really <sighs> think? Again, it depends on what you're doing. For yeah. the most part, you are safe um, because the browsers are get really good. So in, ex- in addition to the extensions, each browser has a native pop-up blocker, which is kind of like the first line of security. So that's fine. And the government is, is very helpful as well because there's a bunch of different um, legislation that was passed where anytime you... Uh, enter what they call PCI. Well, P- PCI, I think, is is patient care information. It mm. might be consumer information. Mm-hmm. Anytime you enter a credit card or a um, uh, social security number uh, or any kind of patient information for, like, if you go to a uh, health portal, it has to be encrypted. So, like, you're talking about HTTPS as well as SSL, which is another lo- level of security. It encrypts it at a higher level when you're transferring the data. And most of the time on those pages, if you're putting your password or sometimes a social security or credit card, you get that what they call the hashing. So instead of a number, you have like a little dot or an asterisk. Right. So not even for you is it visible in plain text. So you, you are fairly safe. Um, you just have to be smart and like just not any kind of site that is uh, looks suspicious. It probably is. Mm. So you just kind of have to take it slow. I've never had a virus. Have you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, sure. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it just depends because mm. I, I like to go to different different sites to research different topics, and sometimes the topics will lead me somewhere else and down the rabbit hole I go. Right. And for the most time, most part, it's pretty good. You can just run the run the antivirus, and it cleans it up for you. What do we do if it doesn't clean it up? Then what do we do? Do we bring our computer to some 
you can yeah so you can fix it? yeah you can bring do? it to the geek squad or something like that and i think there's a local shop in town up on main street something mm-hmm. somebody electronics Valenti, yeah. yeah i think he does it as well i haven't actually got in touch with him yet but i always see like in the windows i see desktops piled yes. high i know he does repairs too good yeah because i mean you know it's one thing to have all the protection but if something does get through what are you gonna do you get the blue screen of death yeah, well, in that oh. case, if you get one of those, you basically have to reinstall your operating system. Um, which I've is been there. <laughs> Not fun. Yeah. All right, so talk to me about antivirus. It runs in the background, so it's always protecting you, right? Yes. But you can actually ask it to run a scan. Yeah, you can run a scan because not, it's not always going to trap all cookies. And sometimes you can have a cookie that's a tracking cookie, which is essentially can be spyware. Um, and sometimes they can add on each other, and so you would have multiple cookies, and it wouldn't trap it because they were fairly harmless in and of themselves. But when you get too much, it can slow it down. So it's it's constantly running to, gra- to protect you from active threats, right. but you can run a scan afterwards and, and see, you know, it misses something. And, mm-hmm. in, and what it will do is it'll quarantine, uh, allow lock down those files so they can't interact with the operating system if they can't just straight out delete them. Right. And I do like that it runs in the background. Mm. I know you can set it up to run every day at 3 a.m. or yes. whatever time you like. So we're not only worried about Internet security as far as our computer, but we've got telecommunications yeah. to worry about now, too, how secure our phones are. Um, you know, the most widely known digital secure telecommunications device is the SIM. That's S-I-M. SIM Subscriber card, yeah. Inde- Identity Module Card. That's a device that's embedded in most of the world's cellular devices before any service can be obtained. So is that what happens when your phone gets locked and you can't yeah, open it? Yeah, right. So it locks you out you. of it. So you used to be, you used to have to put the SIM card in when you got the phone and activate the SIM card. Um, now they're, it's kind of like embedded in the phone, so you don't, it's, you don't have to worry. I'm not even sure if it's a physical card anymore right. but that's what you it's basically your license for your phone i'm actually glad it's embedded in the phone because couldn't i if, if i found someone's phone take the sim card out and put another one mm. in and then i could use your phone S- no because usually it's going to register the phone so that means the make of the model and who register who is signed into the phone so it's not okay. like you can swap out you'd have to talk to the service provider in order to to switch your the model of your phone. I guess they're um, they're doing something now to include digital security signatures embedded in the SIM cards. Oh, cool! To generate legally binding electronic signatures. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what about for financial transactions in retail, especially when you're on the web and you're buying stuff? I know they have secure sockets layer, which mm-hmm. is a you know a lock. But right. how yeah, does it's that work? encrypting. It's encrypting the data. So that's again what I was talking about earlier with like the government mandates, where you have to secure that transaction. So um, everything goes through HTTPS at, at the very least. Most of the time, when you're typing a password, uh, that's that's clear. And they they started with the. The, or is it the CSV? Whatever the code is on the back of the car. Oh, right, the three-digit yeah. number. Yeah. So that's kind of like not even di- that's physical security. So like if someone, if you're typing in your card or something, somebody can grab, look at the card, take a picture of your card. Right. But you have to flip it over and put in that as well. So they're the companies are also giving another layer of security. And then there's those chip cards <laughs> that right. that take forever. Right. You know, you have to put it in. So it's just it, that's transmitting it in a more secure level than the swipe. Okay. And a lot of the reasons why these companies do these things is because the government is regulating and mandating Mm -hmm. that. And I'm glad for once that the government has its hand in something. (laughs) I'm glad that we're doing that. I I wonder how other countries manage that. You know, do other third world countries, perhaps, if you're buying something from 
Nigeria, the yeah. uncle who sent you the email, <laughs> right? No, you better not be. But I wonder about the, the security. Going out from here would be okay, but getting over there, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And so I guess uh, credit card companies Visa and MasterCard cooperated to develop the secure EMV chip, and that's the one that's you the were chip, talking yeah. about. Um, and they include, uh, developments include the chip authentication program where the banks give customers handheld card readers to perform online transactions. Yeah. Wow. More security. Who, who knew? <laughs> also, travel and transportation is stepping it up, too, because we're going to have biometric passports. That's awesome. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> it says, uh, this is from my friends at Wikipedia. It says, many modern passports are now biometric. They contain embedded microchips that, ins- that store digitized photography and personal information, such as your name, gender, and date of birth. So I guess that's good. I mean, I've never had my passport or identity stolen, but I guess it's good that we're protecting that. It's probably yeah. going to make it easier for uh, you know, people to verify, yep. too, with the, the digital protection. And then, this is kind of neat, additionally, e-driver's license are being developed using the same technology. Mexico's licensing authority, the ICV, has issued a smart card platform platform to issue the first e-driver's licenses to the city of Monterrey in the state of Nuevo Leon. That's pretty cool. So you can take your little e-driver's license over to Mexico. (laughs) Who knew? And also, we know the airline industry, they're constantly moving towards paperless, paperless. But what does all that really mean for us from a security level? Somebody's going to eventually find a way to hack these oh, things, sure. I'm sure too. they probably already have. So there's but always it's something tougher. new, right? Yeah, it's just an ad- another layer layer of security, really. So, like, anytime you can have a physical uh, a physical level of security, it's great. It's like um, iPhones, you can have the fingerprint readers, which is biometrics. Oh, what is that? So instead of having a passcode, you need your thumbprint. So it's, it's that's the direction that that's the direction security needs to go because passwords are so weak and so easily hackable that uh, and forgettable. Because I was going to say, not to, do you know how many passwords yeah. I oh, have? God. And I mean, I shouldn't <laughs> say this on the air, but many of them are so similar. Yeah. That it, if you got my if you came and you <laughs> hacked me and you got my one password, you probably could guess the rest yeah. of them. But you know, you have so many passwords. Well, they do retinal scans too, right? I mean, eventually you probably that. hold your yeah, phone up to your eye and you'll be all set. But then I think of all the sci-fi stuff where the yeah. villains cut off the person's <laughs> thumb to, you know. So if you've made an thing. enemy that wants to, like, cut off your hand, you get more yeah. problems than yeah, security. Yeah, right, right. More problems than going to the uh, the bakery website, right? Well, what do you think is the biggest mistake people make that you want them to know when you, or that you see a lot when people come in? What causes them to get virus? The biggest mistake that you think people Just make? Just slow down. Really, that's what it is. Yeah. It's because usually when you're online, the Internet has improved our lives to make things so much more readily accessible. Uh, and sometimes people just kind of like are in a hurry, and they click through those warnings. And I mean, happens. I trust it all. Yeah. I do. Sure. I, I'm one of those people, I know there's a meme that says something like, you know, well, I trust it because I saw it on the Internet. I'm kind of <laughs> one of those people if I see the Internet. I just trust it that it's safe. But I should slow down. I'm mm. not going to ever read all those terms and conditions. No one though. is. I'm not going no to. One, no, it's, it's, I don't know why they... Why they're still around? I understand. Well, it's okay that they have it, but just simplify it. It doesn't yeah. need to be seven hundred pages. Yeah. Just you know, or give me a bottom line. Okay, all of this, yeah. but here's what we really mean. Mm-hmm. I think that's ridiculous, and I also wonder if they do that on purpose. Uh, they just overwhelm legal. you, probably legal. So thing. you don't look. 
if they do yeah if they do something you know and uh you complain they're like well you can't sue us because it's in the user agreement is if you'll check paragraph c subsection yeah, right. <laughs> a of page 26 <laughs> right. you clicked yes yeah i know yes. no you're right we all yeah. do need to slow down it but i think the internet fosters us to believe sure. we're secure and to you know just assume it's all okay and that's why it's easy yet the hardest advice i can give you is slow down but when you're in the middle of it that's the last thing you want to do right, but it's right. the thing you need to do if you're suspect i mean if you're using the uh, a subset of sites that you're always on, then you, yeah, you could fly around. But once you go to somewhere new, you have to take your time. You so balance, balance it out. Yeah. You know, the instant gratification is great, but yeah. not at the cost of having to bring it to the right. geeks and the expense yeah. <laughs> of the time and the lost data yes. and all of that. Yeah. All right, let's give our folks our food for thought tip for today. And now it's time for your technology tidbit, food for thought. All right, so the first virus before that term was actually used for a virus was created by a 15-year-old kid from Pennsylvania named Rich Skrenta. He created what he called the Elk Cloner Program, which was a self-replicating boot sector virus, just meaning malicious code when you boot up. So yeah, 15 years old, and he was like, yeah, I'm, let's do I'm this. totally shaking my head. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Too much time on your hands, yeah, for sure. kiddo. <laughs> yeah, th that's an interesting term, virus, too, because, you know, it does conjure up a picture in your mind, but yep. that's actually what it is doing. It's giving your system the flu. Yeah. Really. Wow, who knew? Well, I hope I hope he's not hacking anymore. I hope he's putting his powers to good use. <laughs> so, Brad, tell the folks how they can get in touch with you if they need more information about security or all things technology. Yep. Yeah, so you can give me uh, an email, which is the best way to get in touch with me because I'm always running around. It's uh, B-M-C-K-E-N-N-A at WilmLibrary.org. Or if you have a future topic that you'd like us to talk about, you can go to WilmLibrary.org slash BDD, Bridging the Digital Divide. And at the bottom of the page, there's a form where you can let us know what you want to hear about. Awesome. And we thank you all so much for being a part of this. We can't do it without you, certainly. Thank you, Brad, for taking the time of out of your busy you life to come by and make us all safe on the of Internet. Course. So thanks for listening. And, you know, do subscribe. Do tell your friends. Get involved and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, and we'll be with you again soon for Bridging the Digital Divide. Thank you.